Good morning, church. It's so good to see each of you out on this wintry morning. And uh, I don't know if any of us really fully realize how blessed we are to be able to be here this morning. I was reflecting as Scott was praying, I almost said, your pastor. Oh my goodness, that would have been a mistake. <laughs> Scott was praying about for those in China. We were able to gather this morning without fear of our lives. Someone could come in and knock us off in the culture we live in today, but we were able to gather together in freedom and worship. We truly are blessed, and I trust we don't take that for granted. I was honored when Pastor Steven asked me last fall to preach for him on this Sunday while your pastoral staff is attending the Penn York Pastor and Spouses Retreat in Williamsport. Hyde, you are truly blessed by the pastoral staff that God has led here, and I trust you frequently thank God for them. Together we need to be praying for Pastor Steven and the staff that they will experience spiritual spiritual renewal and inspiration at this retreat, as well as a time of personal rest and relaxation. This is probably the first time in over 30 years I have been on the other side of the pastor and spouse's retreat. So this is a new experience for me this morning hour. Last fall, I was impressed and appreciative of the series of messages that was preached by Pastor Steven on unseen spiritual warfare. I think we would be absolutely amazed and astonished if we could somehow even begin to comprehend what is going on around us in the spiritual realm that we can't see and the forces that are at war and the power of God that is prevailing, we could not comprehend that, and comprehend that in our levels of humanity. It was through that series that Stephen preached that the Holy Spirit gave birth to this message in my own heart regarding the essential need for us as God's redeemed to be watch it. To watch it in our daily walk with Jesus Christ. To be successful in discerning unseen spiritual warfare in the times in which we live. It is essential that we are watching crucial spiritual areas of our own lives. Will you stand with me, please, as we pray together? Father, we truly are thankful and grateful for this opportunity to be in your house and with your people. That once again, in your divine sovereignty and providence, you have allowed your church to gather. I pray, Father, that we will make the most of these moments as we invite your Holy Spirit to speak to us afresh. And Father, without your anointing upon this message and the messenger, these words will simply be words. And so I pray for your anointing. I pray that we will have hearts and minds and ears that are not only receptive to hearing your word and your words for us this hour, but that we might respond in complete and unreserved obedience to how whatever the Spirit of God may lay upon our hearts in these moments that we share together. Thank you, Father, for the wonderful gift of grace. Thank you for the gift of your salvation. Thank you for the empowering and filling of your Holy Spirit. And thank you for the power of your resurrection and the promise of your return. May you receive the honor and glory as we walk in obedience to your holy word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Watch it. Watch it. What aspects and areas are we watching 
in our lives. We may be watching a lot of things, but the pertinent question is, are we watching the right things? Are the things that we are watching in our lives, in all aspects and in all areas of our lives, are they truly pleasing to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? In our lives, we frequently make the following expressions. Watch what you eat. You had better watch out. Watch both ways before crossing. You had better watch what you're doing. Why don't you watch where you're going? Watch out for the other guy. Keep the watch. Stay the watch. You need to watch for other opportunities. Most of these expressions of being watchful could have a direct application to our spiritual lives. The word watch has the connotation to be alert, to observe attently, to keep focus, to express concern, to be cautious, to be careful. Another way of saying it in today's vernacular would be to say, heads up, heads up. In a sense, in these turbulent and testing times in which we live, I believe that in a sense the Holy Spirit is saying to the church, you and I, his redeemed sons and daughters, I think he's trying to get our attention and saying, heads up, heads up. It's interesting that in the NIV translation of the scriptures, some form of the word watch appears some 196 times. 142 times in the Old Testament and 54 times in the New Testament. When is the last time we took our spiritual pulse? I'm not implying that moment by moment we are concerned about whether we're saved or not saved, but rather the type of spiritual pulse that we ask ourselves this question, am I more like Christ? Will I be more like Christ at the end of this day than I was when the day began? Will I be more like Christ at the end of this week than the, when the week began today? Will I be more like Christ at the end of this month than when we, when we began the first of the year? And should God grant us life, will I be more like Christ at the end of 2020 than I was when I began 2020? I don't know about you, but for me it's so com much more convenient. And it is so easier to be watching the lives of others rather to be rather than to be both intentionally and intently watching my own life in times when we find ourselves in personal experiences of crisis the tendency is to watch our own lives but from a spiritual perspective wise is the christian who is found daily watching every area and aspect of our spiritual lives what does the word of god have to say to us about this matter of being alert and to watch it. What do we discover? What does Jesus have to say about it? What does the Apostle Paul have to say about this matter of being on watch? This morning hour, I want us to take a look and hopefully make a personal commitment to be watching it in three critical areas of our lives. A personal watch, a prayerful watch, and a persistent watch. Personal, prayerful, and persistent.
first of all, a personal watch. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, Paul instructs Timothy by saying the following to him, Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. A personal watch. As Christians, our spiritual steps, our standards, and our styles of living should be observed daily by a personal watch. As God's redeemed, we need to be daily on guard that our lives are in complete alignment and agreement with both the written and the living Word of God, Jesus Christ. It is so obvious that in these current times in which we are living, that the cultural currents of our day are aggressively attempting to blend or you try to unite right versus wrong, evil versus righteousness, taking what is as clear as black and white in the scriptures and attempting to making it gray. Our doctrinal beliefs, church, are not some type of add-on in our spiritual lives. Rather, biblical doctrine is to be the very spiritual foundation upon which our faith is based. As God's redeemed, we should not be living by the teachings and the trends of our time, but rather by the tested truths and teachings of God's Word. In our secular climate of being all-inclusive, you know, it's, it's all all right. There's no right and wrong. We're all on this journey together. We'll all be okay in the end. We'll all end up in heaven. There's no reason to take a stand. We just need to accommodate everything. We're living in an all-inclusive culture. As the church, we would be served well to not only be reminded today, but from time to time to be reminded of and recite the words of the Apostles' Creed which is frequently a congregational expression in more liturgical churches. For me personally, I am very familiar with the Apostles' Creed. Part of that is because of my upbringing in the early years of my life before I got saved, I was part of the Lutheran Church. And the Apostles' Creed is something that we would say as a congregation almost on a weekly basis. In our case, it was only every other Sunday because we only had church every other Sunday because we were part of a circuit. The Apostles' Creed goes like this. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From whence he shall come, from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the Holy Catholic small c church. The communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, 
and life everlasting. Church, there in three brief paragraphs are the doctrines of the church. The doctrines of the Wesleyan church condensed and comprised into three paragraphs of our doctrinal, of our crucial doctrinal beliefs. A personal watch requires us as God's redeemed to be watching our lives and our doctrine closely. Notice that Paul's instructions is simply not to be accomplished occasionally, but rather he tells Timothy to persevere in them because to do so will save not only himself, but his hearers also. So you see this matter of having a personal watch, of watching our lives and our doctrine closely, not only has an impact and effect upon our lives, but upon those who are around us as well. This personal watch really requires a very sincere and high level of dedication and commitment. It's not to be something that we just sort of hit and miss type of action in our lives, but rather a stick-to-it type of a thing. According to the Apostle Paul, this type of watch not only affects ourselves, but others as well. Listen to what Paul wrote to Titus in the second chapter, verses 11 through 15. Paul said to Titus, For the grace, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all unwickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These then are the things you should teach, encourage, and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. A.W. Tozer said, The purpose behind all doctrine is to secure moral action. Whoa! Did we catch that? The purpose behind all doctrine is to secure moral action. Doctrine is not something that is to be stale and stagnant in our lives. It's the very thing that helps us to live a moral life. It helps us to be able to share with others about the grace of God and the impact that Jesus Christ has made in our lives. Why is it, you may ask, why is it so vital that we persevere in watching our lives and our doctrines closely? Listen to what the Apostle Paul told Timothy in his second letter. He said, Timothy, the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears, Timothy. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Church, is it just me? Or does that sound like a scriptural commentary on the times in which you and I 
are living. Take note around us. Perhaps to some degree, even within the church universal of Jesus Christ. And certainly in the cultural trends of our times, it seems to me that we are surrounded by itching ears. People may be open to the truth, but they really don't want to hear the truth. In the times of spiritual temptation, in times of trial and persecution, it is essential that we have a firm grip upon the foundational biblical doctrines of the Word of God if we desire to be experiencing and exercising the power of grace of God in our lives. Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. In my teen years, which was decades ago, I worked on a small dairy farm in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, my home area. That experience of working on a small dairy farm had a profound impact upon my life. It impacted my spiritual development, and certainly impacted my work ethic. Last fall, that farmer's wife passed away. And Gail and I attended her funeral in what was the former Lutheran church that I attended as a child. During the service, the opportunity was given for the congregation to share. And not knowing most that were in that small country church that day, I stood up and I identified myself and I expressed my appreciation for the life of the deceased and for her husband, the farmer for whom I had worked. At the end of that service, as I was exiting that small country church-like sanctuary, I was greeted at the door by the pastor of the now, what is now, the Evangelical Congregation Church. And the pastor said to me, so you are Randy Swink. Now, because of what I've done and where I've been, I don't know whether when people ask me that, if I should duck, run, hide, or just like, say, yes, that's who I am. I took a chance, and I said, yeah, that's who I am. He went then on to affirm that he and I had gone together at United Wesleyan College in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and proceeded to remind me of some of his observances in my life at that time. Some 30 plus years removed from that time, not that the years had changed me, but I didn't recognize him. <laughs> but he observed things in my life over 30 years ago that I had no idea he was watching. That encounter in that small country church was and is a clear reminder to me, and I would suggest should be for us as well, that from a biblical perspective, the essential need to have a spiritual personal watch in our lives is absolutely crucial. It not, will not only impact our lives, but it impacts the lives of others around us. Watch it. Watch it. 
need to have a personal watch. We also need to have a prayerful watch. Come with me for just a moment this morning into the Garden of Gethsemane. In the final moments of the life of our Lord, as He has invited His disciples to come with Him after having experienced the Last Supper, He wants them to come with Him into the Garden. And here's what Jesus says to Peter in that scene. Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Think of all what's going on in the life of Christ at this moment, and to Peter, upon whom he said, the rock upon my church will be built. He says, Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Peter's failure to watch and pray as Jesus had instructed him, paved the way for Peter to soon yield to temptation, yield to the temptation of denying, three, denying Christ three times in the courtyard of the high priest. No matter the state of our spiritual maturity, temptation will always be a part of our lives until God calls us to our eternal home. I battle with it, you battle with it, on a daily basis. The enemy will do anything he can in his tools of deceit and destruction and dishonesty to try and trip us up. And it's not always the big things. Sometimes it's the little things to get us to go down that path of separation from Jesus Christ. Church, if Jesus, the Son of God, was tempted... And we can count on the fact that we will be tempted in our lives as well. The best illustration of the need to have a prayerful watch in our lives is observed with our Lord's experience in the Garden of Gethsemane. Christ's conversation with His disciples in the Garden provides insight for our own lives. In His personal encounter with temptation, Jesus needed to be in prayer and requested to have His disciples to be watching and praying with Him. For the most, or if not one of the most impactful and intrusive temptations of his life. For Jesus, for Jesus, the very Son of God, it was literally a matter of life and death. Even with Christ taking others with him into the garden to watch and pray, he ended up praying alone. With us being on the other side of the garden, we give thanks and praise to God for the submission of his Son to the Heavenly Father to become the perfect, unblemished, sinless sacrifice of God for our sins. Listen, church. Our spiritual journey would not be leading us to heaven if Jesus had yielded to temptation. We would be lost today. We would be on our way to a, on a spiritual destiny of separation eternally, separated from a loving God. This message, had Jesus yielded to temptation, this message would not be able to be preached today. This church 
would not be in existence had Christ not prayed in this pivotal moment of His life for complete unreserved submission to our Heavenly Father's redemptive plans. Jesus knew what laid ahead of Him in all the horrors of a crucifixion. He would have preferred to avoid that. But He knew to be obedient to His Heavenly Father, it required Him giving His all. Someone once made this statement. Prayer is not so much submitting our needs to God, but submitting ourselves to Him. Catch that for a moment. Prayer is not so much submitting our needs to God, but submitting ourselves to Him. In Colossians, Paul said, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Jesus said to Peter, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And as was evident from Peter's response to our Lord's request, the tragic result of the spirit being willing, but the body being weak, became tragically evident. A prayerful watch requires us, with the help of the empowering of the Holy Spirit, that our spirit takes control over our bodies. All of us have had those experiences in life where our body is so tired, we just feel, I just don't want to do it. And in our spiritual lives, there are times when our body is so weak, we just think, I just can't do it today. And then the Holy Spirit comes along and tries to help us, tries to lead us by the hand or tug on the collar of our neck, or for some of us who may be exceptionally thick, kick us in the seat of the pants. You can do it with my help and with my power. Think about it for a moment. If Jesus, the Son of God, needed to pray, what excuse could we possibly have for not having a consistent and vibrant prayer life? Martin Luther is credited with saying, if I fail to spend two hours in prayer each morning, the devil gets the victory for the day. If I fail to pray for two hours in the morning, the devil... It's the victory for the day. Wise is the believer who instantly resists temptation with a prayerful watch. In James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, the Bible says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. We need to be about a prayerful watch. The final eruption of Mount St. Helens in May of 1980 was not a sudden event. For two months, for two months prior to the massive blast, the most deadly and destructive in American history, earthquakes and volcanic activity signaled a major event was underway. Authorities had plenty of time to sound the alarm and, and to warn those living nearby of the looming danger. Yet despite the seriousness of the threat, some people chose to disregard the warnings. Probably the best known of those who refused to evacuate was a man by the name of Harry Randall Truman. He was an 83-year-old man who was the owner and caretaker at the Mount St. Helens Lodge at Spirit Lake. He had survived the sinking of his troop ship by a German submarine off the coast of Ireland in World War I, 
And he was not about to leave just because scientists thought there was a danger. Truman told reporters, quote, I don't have any idea whether it will blow, but I don't believe it to the point that I'm going to pack up. On May 18, 1980, Truman and his lodge were buried beneath 150 feet of mud and debris from the volcanic eruption. To this day, his body has never been found. Harry Truman's response to this advance warning is sometimes like ours as it relates to temptation. Both the scriptures and the Spirit of God warn us, but we feel we are strong enough. We can handle this temptation. We're not going to pack it up and, and remove ourselves from this temptation. However, as some of us know all too well, our lack of a sincere prayerful watch will find us buried beneath the mud and the debris of sin. The words of Jesus and this illustration ought to remind us of the need to watch it in our lives and to have a prayerful watch. We need to have a personal watch. Watch your life and doctrine closely. We need to have a prayerful watch. Watch and pray that you not fall into temptation. And then thirdly, we need to have a persistent watch. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, Matthew provides insight for us and instructions on the second coming of our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew 24, 42, verse 42, Jesus said, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Jesus said it. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. I wonder how many of us thought or reflected upon the imminent return of Christ as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords when we awoke this morning. We are almost 11 and a half hours into this new day of January the 26th, 2020. And I wonder how many of us even gave thought that today could be the day when the trumpet sounds and Jesus returns. You see, it is imperative that this type of a persistent watch be a crucial aspect of our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. As it relates to his second advent, Jesus said in the Gospel of Mark chapter 13, he said this, No one knows about the day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. It amazes me. Even Jesus doesn't know when he's coming back. But one of these days, our Heavenly Father is going to turn to his right hand and say to the Son, it's time. Jesus goes on. Be on guard. Be alert. 
You do not know when that time will come. Jesus continued. He said, it's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch the words of Jesus himself. Watch. I fear, church, that if you and I do not have a persistent watch for the coming of Christ, we may be found sleeping when he returns. Jesus makes it clear that we do not know the day of his return. How does that make us feel this morning realizing that the Father may say to the Son yet today, Son, it's time. Or maybe it's tomorrow. I don't know. But it's coming. Listen to what Oswald Chambers said. He said, The only way to wait for the second coming is to watch that you do what you should do so that when He comes is a matter of indifference. It is the attitude of a child, certain that God knows what He is about. When the Lord does come, it will be as natural as breathing. God never does anything hysterical and he never produces hysterics. Wow. Personally, I'm convinced that the mission and the ministry of our lives and, and that of the life of the church would be radically transformed in an instant if we knew that Christ was coming today. It would be radically transformed if we knew he was coming tomorrow or at the end of the week or at the end of the month. We change our plans and our priorities as individuals as well as a church if we knew right now that Jesus was coming before December the 31st, 20 and 20. I would dare to venture to say that all of us and even the church and those within the church, we would change our mission and ministry to become more vibrant, more aggressive, more outreach oriented if we knew that Jesus was coming before the end of this new decade upon which we just embarked. You see, truly having a persistent watch for the return of Christ will have a dramatic impact upon the priorities, the plans, the pleasures, and the pursuits of our lives. It affects everything. Because, church, despite what others may say and what others may think, I'm telling you today, on the authority of God's Word, I don't know when, but He is coming. He is coming. The psalmist declared, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Let me ask us this morning hour, is our spiritual relationship with Jesus today such that we would say with John the Revelator, even so, Lord Jesus, come. Even so, 
Lord Jesus, come. It was almost 44, 45 years ago. I guess it would be 44 years ago. What's one year or two at this point in life? <laughs> in the spring of 1975, I was working on that same dairy farm, small dairy farm that I mentioned to you earlier. It was in the spring of 1975, and our wedding date was planned for May the 31st. It was on a Saturday, and I was out driving the tractor, and I was harrowing a field, preparing it for the spring planning. And I clearly remember riding on that tractor. I probably could take you to approximately where that field would be today. And on that Saturday, I was either in a thought of prayer or I was reflecting, but I had this thought, hoping that Christ's return would at least be held off until after I got married. <laughs> I'll let your mind do the wandering. <laughs> Almost 50 years ago, in 1970, my dad was under serious, severe spiritual conviction. For my mother had gotten saved, but my dad wasn't saved, and I wasn't saved either. And my dad was under conviction. And I believe it was even before the light of this particular day that as, as he was traveling to work. He worked for a dairy. He was delivered milk on a wholesale milk route. And as he was traveling, I think he was near a firehouse when all of a sudden the fire whistle went off. And it alarmed him greatly. It caused him grave concern because he had thought that that sound had signaled had ushered in the return of Jesus Christ. And he was not spiritually ready to meet Jesus. I've never forgotten that. Listen, church, we need to be consistently living in a state of expectancy of Christ's return. Whatever we are doing, wherever we may be located, May we be found to have a persistent watch. He is coming. I don't know when. I thought he could have come before I got married. My dad thought he had come and he had missed it in 1970. I don't know church when he is coming. But I do know this. The word of God tells me he is coming. I trust that as a church we would be united in saying, even so, Lord Jesus, come. We better watch it. We better have a personal watch. We better have a prayerful watch. And we better be on persistent watch. How has the Holy Spirit spoken to us today from the insight and the instruction received from the Word of God. What has He laid a hand upon in our lives? What has He said to us in the quietness of our hearts, in the quietness and the depths of our soul? What has He said to us this morning? You better watch it here. I have no idea what it is in your life. Quite frankly, I don't need to know. 
But my hunch is, in all of our lives, there's a place where the Holy Spirit has the right to say, son, daughter, you better watch it here. You better watch it. I trust that the Spirit of the living God will enable us to respond and complete and surrendered obedience to His will for our lives. Oh God. Oh God. Help us all. As your redeemed sons and daughters, as the universal church of Jesus Christ, help us to watch it. Will you stand with me, please? Would you bow your heads with me for a moment of prayer, please? As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed this morning, I would just simply ask, as I feel led by the Holy Spirit, that if you're here this morning hour and God has spoken to you that there's some area you need to be watching it in your lives, would you just quickly slip up your hand? Just quickly slip up your hands. Yes. Are there others? Yes. Others? Let's pray. Our Father God, we are so thankful and grateful for the redemptive provisions that are ours through your Son, Jesus Christ. And for the love and the grace of God that is beyond our human comprehension. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the faithfulness of your Holy Spirit to speak to us as we walk through this journey of life. And Father, I pray for the hands that were raised in this sanctuary this morning hour. I don't know what the area is in, in their lives that they need to be watching it, but you do. And I pray, O oh God, that you would help them to become more attentive and more alert to the leading and directions of your Holy Spirit in their lives. And what I pray for them, I pray for us all that we would respond in complete, unreserved obedience to your leading and direction for our lives. I would pray, Father, that perhaps for some of those hands or for others who are here today who do not have a personal saving relationship with you, I would pray that this day they will come to know you as their personal Savior and Lord. May they talk with someone who does have a relationship with you that they might be able to be led into the saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, I pray this prayer today with a spirit and an attitude of desperation and urgency because I realize that according to the word, today could be the day when you say to the Son, it's time. And God, there's not one of us that I want to be lost for all eternity. And so I pray that for those of us who are walking in fellowship with you and walking in the light as you have set it across our pathway, that we will truly be your hands and your feet this week as we go out to minister into a world that is in chaos and is confused. I pray, O oh God, that we will share the good news of the gospel of Christ and that others will see Jesus in us. And so, Father, I pray that you will help us to watch in our lives with a personal watch, that we will watch our lives and our doctrine closely, that we will watch it with a prayerful watch, that we will watch and pray that we do not fall into temptation and that we will always be in a persistent watch, realizing that you may come today, tomorrow, or before the end of this decade. 
God, thank you for this wonderful opportunity of serving you. May our lives bring honor and glory to you as we go forth into the world into which you've placed us and called us. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. You are dismissed. May God bless you.